So, but Samson again didn't marry Delilah, but he the Bible says he loved Delilah. So you might want to say he had a big lust for Delilah. So Samson really didn't care much about God's ways at all up until this point. If you remember what's happening, he's already been around a a, uh, a carcass of a an animal, a lion as as it has been, and he's multiple times been drunk out of his head. So so he's knocked off two of the Nazarene valves repeatedly. The only one left is the hair. The only one left. So it's not a surprise that even in chapter 16, Samson is still going wrong. Still going wrong. Still in the wrong way. So let's start with, with we'll start at the verse 1. So we're in Judges chapter 16. I'll start up at verse 1 to go ahead and get the context. And then went Samson to Gaza and saw there a harlot and went into her and came and told the gazette, gazettes <laughs> saying Samson is come hither and they encompassed him compassed him in and laid wait for him all night in the gate of the city and were quiet all night saying in the morning when he is day we will kill him so they were after even then they wanted to kill Samson. So Samson's back in the Philistine territory in a harlot's house and they're already trying to do something to afflict Samson. Samson laid till about midnight, the Bible says. He arose at midnight. Now, listen to what I'm fixing to read. And he took the doors of the gate of the city and the two posts that, and went, the other two posts that supported the doors and went away with them, bar and all, and put them upon his shoulders and carried them up the top of a hill that was before Hebron. This is another instance of, of Samson's incredible God-given strength. And this may be the most amazing feat if you think about what happened. Because they say that these were city gates. These were the gates to keep people out of the, of the city. It wasn't just a two or three foot you know, privacy or a privacy fence. These were, they say they're usually about 10 foot tall, 10 foot wide, each one of the gates. They were solid wood. That was the early Iron Age. They had metal back then. To the extent of how much metal was on the doors, not really known. It could have just been clad around or it could have been more metal. Not really sure. But either way, it was built to withstand the enemy forces. So it was a stout door. Now, Samson tears the whole thing down, bar and all. Bar and all with his bare hands. And the hill that's for to Hebron, the Bible says, if you look it up, is about 36 miles away. So he toted those gates on his shoulder about 36 miles and up 3,200 feet because it said he was on top of Mount Hebron. That is the most amazing display of strength, I believe, in Samson's career. Just think about that. That was amazing. But we, we don't need to get enamored by that. But I'm just, I just brought that up to what God can do with someone if, if, if He chooses to, what He could do with anyone. So Samson gets the thing wrong all, all over the place. God's still faithful for now. But we're about to see where Samson chooses lust over love. Now what is it about lust and love. Even though both of them start with the word or the letter L, they tend to be 
somewhat opposite ways to the same end, right? They tend to be just the opposite way to the same end. In other words, they want to have something to do with this other person. Is it lust or is it love? So in Samson's commitment to Delilah was devout. He loved Delilah. He didn't like it good enough to put a ring on. They didn't marry. He already married one of them or tried to marry one of them. You know how that went a couple of Sundays ago. But, but, he, but he loved Delilah. So I'm not sure if Samson chose just lust over her, but he loved her. So I, I'm not sure, but you know, he, we saw the prostitute right now that, that he met in this. I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm, we ain't got to Delilah yet. Let me, get, let me get through with the prostitute. The prostitute was literally nothing but lust. That was probably a paid transaction. Y'all know how that works. And it was probably no feeling whatsoever in it. It was an act. So we call that lust. So Samson had this prostitute that he went in and, and, and was with, and, and the Philistines decided they were going to do something, and he got up early and showed a what I consider the most awesome raw strength ever displayed in, in, in by, by a physical man in the Bible. But he saw the prostitute. He had to desire for her, but it was a predetermined, arranged, I don't know if money changed hands or cows or whatever they did for, for a payment, whatever it was, something changed hands. It was literally a one-night stand, like a business transaction. We wouldn't call that love at any stretch of the world. But if you think about it, what is Samson doing in Gaza anyway? Because he's had this problem with the Philistines. They're still over the Israelites. They're still they're, they're, they're lording and over them as far as who's in charge. But he's gone to one of the capital cities of the Philistines in Gaza. Even after killing, like we saw last week, a thousand men in the battle, he's still flirting with the Philistines. But now, if you see what happened just as they said they laid in wait for him, he's actually public enemy number one with the Philistines. He has become the poster boy in the, in the uh, post office most wanted, you know, proverbially. But not only had Samson disobeyed God repeatedly, he was foolish enough himself to be surrounded by the enemies of the Philistines. And again, they were captives of those people. They were not the other way around. It looks like it all through the story of Samson that they're the ones in charge. While he personally was in charge through God's enabling, the Philistines still were the ones in charge. So make no mistake about that. Lust will do that to you. Lust, lust will do something to you that you, believe, that you would never think possible. It would make you do things. It would make you say things. It will make you act around certain people like you never would have before, all on account of lust. And Samson was in that boat with now the harlot, and then we see that he's fixing to go and see Delilah. But let me read something that Paul wrote to the church at Corinthians. It's 1 Corinthians 6, verses uh, 15 through 17. Know ye not that your bodies are a member of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them the members of of a harlot, God forbid. What? Know ye not that which 
that he which is joined to a harlot is one body, for two shall be as one flesh, the Bible says. But he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. So we know what the act of marriage is under the context of being married. And we know the, the relationship that a husband and a wife have. And that's really what Paul's saying in 1 Corinthians. He's saying, how can someone be a Christian and sleep with a harlot? Someone that is unbelieving. Because in the act of that, the two do become one. So he's saying, don't you know not to do that? It doesn't necessarily have to be a prostitute. It just can be someone that is just a pure lust. But anytime really a sexual relationship is outside of marriage, you're literally choosing lust over love. Literally. Literally. You are choosing what you want over what God says you should have. In other words, marriage. So as a follower of Christ, we need to make sure we're absolute priority is committed to sexual purity in our lives. Now even us older folks that's been married a while, it still goes the same way. Being true to the bride or being true to the groom goes both ways and it never ends. As long as they're both living, it never ends. So don't give in to lust. Don't choose lust over love. And don't make the mistake that think that lust is actually love. Because think about it this way. This is a good little sentence. Lust can't wait to take. Think about that. When you lust, even if it's a, like a vehicle or a boat, when lust is involved, you want it now. You will mortgage the house for it. You know what I'm saying? It's that sort of thing. So lust can't wait to take, while love can't wait to give. Think about that. Lust can't wait to take. I want that now. Whatever it is. A person or a thing. Whatever it is. I want it now. That's lust. So falling in love with the wrong person. Let's go back to Judges 16. And it came to pass afterwards that he loved a woman in the valley of Socri. Now this is Delilah, whose name was Delilah. And the lords of the Philistine came up upon her and said to her, Entice him, and see wherein his strength lies. And by what means shall we prevail against him, that we may bind him to afflict him? And we will give thee, in other words, they're saying to her, we will give you eleven hundred pieces of silver each. I'll get into that in a minute. But let me read. The, this, this next sentence is amazing. Think about it. And Delilah said to Samson. Now, now she didn't lie to him this time. Now, let me read this. Tell me, I pray thee. This is Delilah talking to Samson. Wherein does thy strength lie? And wherewith thou might be bound to be afflicted. She didn't hold no, no, no punches. She wanted to know how I could bind you up to afflict you. He's so full of lust, he, he probably just, you know, he probably just blew that last piece away. Didn't even think about that. He just wanted to play with her for a while because you know he does with, with different ropes and whatnot about uh, breaking them and just showing his strength. But she made no bones about it. 
Samson, how can I bind thee up so I can afflict thee? So now we're at the story of Samson and Delilah. Um, we're told right up front that Samson himself, himself fell into lust. The Bible just calls it love. Let's call it what it is. It's lust for her because he's blinded. But there's lots of reasons why Delilah is the wrong person. One, she's a Philistine, so she's a non-believer. And she is not sold to Samson. Now, now, make no doubt about it, when the Philistine lords come up to her and bribed her, she was on board with that bribe. So here you have Samson in love with this woman, Delilah, and Delilah in love with that money they promised her. So she's just using Samson to get that money. She is, she's not in the game for Samson whatsoever but to get the money off of to get to get his whatever done and the hair. Well, she didn't know about the hair right now, but get whatever needs to be done to get the money. That's all she was after. And it seems like every major conflict that Samson's had up until this point results from Samson pursuing a woman, a Philistine woman. We're only, there's only really three women we're told about in the stories. But remember, there's a 20-year gap between chapter 15, what we did last week, and what we're doing today in 16. There's 25 years between chapter 15 and 16. That period of time is not recorded. We don't know. But anyway, the problem with Delilah, she's not on his side. She don't even lust after him. She's lusting after money, right? So she don't really care about him whatsoever. So Samson beds with Delilah, but Delilah's really in bed with the Philistines for the money, isn't she? So Samson once again falls in love for the wrong woman. She's deceitful. She's got bad character. She sleeps with Samson before they get married, so she's really scrupulous. She's willing to betray Samson for a bribe. Now granted, it's a pretty good bribe. Don't get me wrong. It's 1,100 shekels from each one of the, or silver, from shekels of silver from each one of the rulers. And... That's a whole lot more than Judas portrayed Jesus over. It was only 30 pieces, right? But here we have well over 1,100 because there was about four or five Philistine lords. There were, there were quite a few of them, so each one of them were going to give her 1,100 pieces. But think about this, y'all. No matter what, God's person for you will never portray you like that. that God's person for you. You know... The Bible really um, sets a high standard for a woman in Proverbs, right? The virtuous woman. Let me read just a little piece of it. This is Proverbs 31, verses 10, and 10, 11, 12. Who can find a virtuous woman? For her price is far above rubies, and the heart of her husband doth safely trust in her so that he has no need of spoil. She will do him good and not evil all the days of her life. That's the virtue, and it goes on and on. Delilah is almost the opposite of a virtuous woman. She's got bad character. She ain't worth nothing. Samson's worth uh, X amount of money. Mm. But anyway, all everything's gone. But Samson is not learning from his mistakes. Verse 6, we're back in chapter 16 
of Judges, starting with verse 6. And Delilah said to Samson, Tell me, I pray thee, wherewith thy strength lieth, and wherewith thou might be bound to afflict thee. And Samson said unto her, If they bind me with seven green withs that have never been dried, in other words, vines, then I will be weak and, and be as, another, as other men. Then the lords of the Philistine brought up to her seven green withs, which had not been dried. And she bound him with them. Now there were men waiting, lying in wait, abiding with her in the chamber. So this was a pretty big room. Because there are some Philistine lords hiding out where Samson don't know where they're at. So it's a pretty decent sized room. And she says unto him, she's being Delilah, says unto him, Samson, the Philistines are upon thee. And Samson break the wis as a thread of tow is broken when it touches the fire. So his strength was unknown. That was test number one. Delilah's really not very subtle. But you know, I don't guess you have to be with Samson because he was just head over heels what, Bible, what the Bible calls love. And I'm saying it was what we call lust after her. Instead of being sneaky, he just comes right out and says, Tell me the secret so I can bind you up and afflict you. Samson makes up this thing about seven fresh thongs of something that hadn't been dried, vines. And she actually does it. She ties him up. She hides some Philistines in the room. And then she yells to Samson, Philistines are upon you. He snaps them off. Philistines stay hidden. The Bible doesn't tell them they show themselves, so they stay hidden. No one gets hurt. It should all end right there if you think about it. At worst, it should have ended right there, but no. There's no way Delilah's not going to try that again, but she does. And it's not, there's not any way Samson's going to trust her again. He really doesn't yet. He does it again. Verse 10. We're still in chapter 16. And Delilah said to Samson, Behold, thou hast mocked me and told me lies. Now tell me, I pray thee, wherewith thou mightest be bound. And he said unto her, If they bind me fast with new ropes that have never been occupied, in other words, never been used, then shall I be weak and be as other men. Delilah therefore took new ropes and bound him wherewith and said unto him, The Philistines are upon thee, Samson. And, there were, and, and, and they were liars in wait, abiding in the chamber. In other words, the Philistines were there. And he braked them from his arms like a thread. So Samson lied again. Now Delilah's really not lying. She wants to know and she's got something when he, she actually tells him she, she's got something to work with. Her plan is the same and he's toying with her. Samson hollers out. The Philistines stay put, they stay hidden, no one gets hurt. So now Delilah has tried twice. Think about it, there's really no way if this was you, you would fall for this trick again, right? There's really no way, right? Well, Samson falls yet again for the same thing. Verses 13. And Delilah said unto Samson, Whither too hast thou mocked me and told me lies? Tell me wherewith thou might be bound. And he said unto her, If thou weavest the seven locks of my head with a web. And she fastened it with a pin and said unto him, The Philistines are thee, are upon thee. And he woke up from his sleep and went away with the pin of beam and with the web. In other words, once again, 
He told her something that was not true. However, he's getting close to the truth. He's starting to play with the hair, right? This is the first time he's let her know anything about the hair. But it's still the same scenario. Delilah braids up the hair into some kind of fabric, in some kind of loom. And when she calls out his name, he just gets up and tears it to pieces and walks away. You know, Samson really should have learned his lesson. It's amazing this is the third time. Way back in 14 when he started to riddle, all this is because of that. That hatred between the Philistines and him. And he hasn't figured out yet that Delilah wants... He didn't believe her when she first told him that he wanted to tie him up so he could be harmed. You know, everybody really makes mistakes, but this is ridiculous. People should learn from their mistakes while foolish people continue to make the same mistakes. That's really what love, lust will do for you. It'll make you make the same mistake over and over and over and over. You might wonder why it's not so obvious to Samson. When you read this story, you're thinking he's a blundering idiot not to see what's going on. But that's how lust will shade your vision of what's happening. They say that love is blind. And they make all sort of things up for what you do with your heart. You know, you can't control your heart. It just does what it does and love who you love and all that kind of mess. But I'm going to tell you a little secret about love. Love is, love is a feeling, but love is a condition of the heart. It's a decision of the mind. You think about the love of God, let me get off track a minute. If you think about the love of God, the love of God is not contingent, praise God, it's not contingent on what I do as a believer. Though my consequences will be affected by what I do, God's love for me has nothing to do with me. He loves me because He chose to love me. There's a difference. Make no mistake about it, there's a difference. Anybody that's ever been in a bad marriage or seen a bad or marriage go bad knows that what looks like love can go sour and end up in divorce. Everybody that's not new, everybody understands that, right? Everybody understands that. That's not God's love. That's why it's so amazing to even think about the love of God in that He first loved me before I loved Him. That's John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him will not perish, but have everlasting life. That is a love that we only read about. We have no concept of that love. Love is a condition of the mind. It's not a will of the heart. If it was the will of God's heart, have you, been the person that God should love all the time? Have you? If you have, then good for you. But I haven't. And I'm pretty sure nobody in here has at some time in their life. But He loves you anyway. Don't ever forget that. You can't put our love or our version of love in, in, on earth to even get close to the love God has for us. You, you, just, you, can't, you can't put the two in the same room. They're not even kin hardly. It's called agape love in Greek. We just call it love because we're lack of words. People get into really bad relationships and they really sometimes they can't get out or if they get out, they go back into the same thing. What's the bottom line? That person is in denial about what they want. Whatever they think they want, they're looking in the wrong place. They keep repeating the same mistakes. It's because they keep doing the same thing. 
you know, if you get out of a, if you, get, if you see someone that gets a divorce or just breaks up with someone that maybe they were engaged to or something and starts doing something else with somebody else and starts having another one and it seems like it's a rubber stamp with the first one they got rid of or something, it, it, it just seems to be a bad track that they're playing. They don't really understand love whatsoever. They don't really understand love. See, right now, the right act, the right now, what, what should have happened is when someone varies from God, someone do, does something to God that's not pleasing, we call it sin. When someone sins to God, we are to make a confession to Him and Him alone through Jesus of our sin. And then we are to confess it to Him. We're to turn from it and move on. We're not to repeat that over and over and over again. That's not confession or repentance. Repentance means literally to turn and go the other way. If I'm going down this road and it's leading to hell and I repent of that road, then my repentance says I turn around and I'm going the other way now. That's repentance. So if we repent, He is faithful and just to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. That's a gift that we don't have here on earth. You can get mad at a spouse and it might take months to get where y'all are cordial to each other again. God's not like that. Somebody say amen. God's not like that. <laughs> okay. All right, verse 15, back here. People putting other people before God. Here we go again. And she said unto him, verse 15, How canst thou say they love me? She said, How can you say you love me when thine heart is not with me? Thou hast mocked me these three times and hast not told me wherewith your great strength lies. And it came to pass when she pressed him daily with her words and urged him, whew, listen guys, so that his soul was vexed unto death, that he told her all his heart. She wore him out. She wore him out. Women, y'all got that power. You can wear us out. Just telling you, but you shouldn't. But anyway, that's part of being virtuous. Delilah's not virtuous, but it can be done, and, and this is the perfect example of it there. He said, There hath never come a razor upon my head, for I have been a Nazarite unto God from my mother's womb. If I be shaven, then my strength will be gone from me, and I shall, be, and I shall become weak and be like other men. And then Delilah saw that he had told her all his heart. She sent and called for the lords of the Philistines, saying, Come up this once, for he hath showed all of his heart. Then the lords of Philistines came up, give her the money. They are satisfied the deal is set. This is it. He has told her the truth. They brought money into her hands, and she made him sleep upon her knee. And she called for a man, and, he, and she calls him, that Samson, to sleep on her knees. And somebody else came in and shaved off the seven locks of his head. And then she began to afflict him. And his strength had went from him. Quite simply, Samson put Delilah before God. Repeatedly, over and over. Toyed with her and then really told her the truth. Instead of guarding that sacred vow before the Lord that was made by God to his mother for him to be a Nazarite from birth, instead of honoring that and, 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 and looking to God and everything, Samson's playing with Delilah, she's finally wore him down. He, he slipped and told her the truth. He doesn't mention the other two parts, if you notice it. He knows he's guilty of those. So he's only like that very last Nazarene vow that he hadn't broken yet. And then she broke it for him. 
So again, Delilah is put before God in Samson's eyes and he foolishly tells her the secret of her Nazarene vow. Delilah takes advantage of the situation, gets him to sleep, shaves his hair off. Said he had his hair in seven locks, so it won't that hard. Lock, gone, right? God always and forever deserves first place in our life at all times and in all ways. You wouldn't be here without Him. Make no mistake about it. He is our Savior. Savior. He is the salvation upon all those who believe. He is our judge. He, is, he makes us accountable to Him for the way we live our lives. In other words, you pay for things you do wrong on here, on earth, but He also is a friend. God is for you. Never forget that. God is for you, not against you. And you can trust Him. He'll always show you the right way if you'll just follow Him in, in service and in truth and in prayer and supplication. Verse 20, And she said, The Philistines be upon thee, Samson. And he woke up as other of his sleep and said, I will go out as other times before and shake myself. And he wist not that the Lord was departed from him. But the Philistines took him, put out his eyes, brought him down to Gaza, and bound him with fetters of brass, and he did grind in the prison house. So Samson gets up thinking that all's still well, doesn't he? He says, I'm going to do just like I've done before. He didn't realize that God had left him. Make no mistake, again today, let me emphasize, God is the hero of this story, it's not Samson. God is the one that enabled Samson to have the strength that really wasn't with his hair. It really wasn't. God did that. God said, because you have kept at least that valve, I will give you the strength you need. The hair was that last sign that he was supposed to be a Nazarene under God, but Samson didn't lose his strength because his hair got cut. The Bible's plain the Lord had left. All right, Samson took God's deliverance for granted time and time and time again, just like a lot of Israel did in the Old Testament. But Samson assumed because things were going so well for him that he would beat the Philistines. The Lord would be faithful to him and he would have that strength and he would defeat them. Think about it. Just as Samson assumed they would always beat the Philistines, Israel did the same thing. We'll see that later on. They, they assumed they would never be beaten because they had the temple, but, but we know that went away if you know the Old Testament stuff. God didn't spare Samson when he sinned and God didn't spare the temple when Israel sinned. Do you think God ignores sin forever? The answer is no. Unrepented sin, He does not always forgive. You have to, you have to be repented. God gave Samson many, time, many times to repent and, and times to repent, but Samson continued in his rebellious ways, doing what he wanted to do, putting Delilah before God, it reminds me of something else Paul wrote. This is Galatians chapter 6, verses 78, 7 and 8. It says, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to the flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth of the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. 
There are two mistakes that we, we need to make sure we avoid when it comes to sin in our life. Number one, the mistake of thinking God will not forgive your sin. Don't, don't ever think that. But the other one is to mistake to think that God will ignore your sins. Don't ever think that either. Don't ever think God won't forgive your repented for sin. But don't think that He will ever ignore your sin. But God will never ignore sin. The Bible tells us that He disciplines those He loves, doesn't it? So Samson paid dearly for his sin. The Philistines gouged out his eyes. They put him in prison and forced him to do slave labor. But you know, before the strength had left him, before God had, had deserted him, Samson had used his great strength to burn the grain fields with the foxes. We heard another few weeks ago. But now he's reduced to grinding grain. He's blind and he's weak. He's a pitiful slave. Let me warn you a little, little, uh, little tidbit. Sin is a hard taskmaster. Sin is a hard taskmaster. Samson's been trying his best to do things his way and been sinning before God and, and he has finally did this point where he was not all this um, immaculately strong men enabled by God to, to beat anybody he needed to beat or any animal. He was not that Samson anymore. He was like any other man. They overpowered him, put him in a, gouged his eyes out. That was pretty common practice back then. It makes you less effective, I guess, and rowdy anymore. Tied him up put him on a wheel, let him grind, grind uh, grain, walk around around in circles. You can't serve God and serve sin at the same time. And, and again, Samson's strength did leave him, not because of the haircut, but because the Bible says that the Lord had left him. So Samson's at the lowest part of his life. And the last verse we're going to read today is verse 22. And this one gets exciting. Howbeit the hair of his head began to grow. Verse 22, Howbeit the hair of his head began to grow again after he was shaven. Will Samson's hair growth make the um, difference on its own? No, but he's going to cry out to God. We're going to see that next week. Don't let me give it away. God is the, the author and finisher of our faith. Always has been, always will. He was the the source and substance of Samson's strength always was, always will be. So, but, it, but this is a foreshadowing. Verse 22 is a good place to stop for, for next Sunday because it's a foreshadowing of things to come. And I'll give you a spoiler alert. Samson prays that's recorded in Judges the second time after verse 22. God always shows up right the right way He shows us over and over again in His Word the right way to live. Samson knew even what he knew at this time the right way to be and he totally ignored it. And never forget the greatest example of love ever is Jesus on the cross. The greatest example of love ever is Jesus on the cross. 1 John 4.10, and I'll, I'll end with this. Wherein is love... Not that, we loved, not that we loved God, but God loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins or the substitute for our sins. 1 John 4.10, wherein is love? This is love, he says. Not that we loved God first, but that God loved towards us 
and that his son would be that substitute, that propitiation for our sins. That's the story of the cross. That's the story of the cross. Make no mistake about it. Jesus paid it all. And because of that, we can come boldly before the throne of grace and cry out, Abba, Father, and He will forgive all sin. Dear God, as we're here today, Lord, and looking through this story, it's, it's amazing to think how one-sided Samson seems. But Lord, if we're truthful with ourselves before You, we know that we're being in the same boat. We've done things just as bad, just as brain-dead as Samson did. Lord, we've failed You on multiple fronts. I know we all have. Lord, thank You for being that Father to us like we've never known here on earth. Lord, to be that love to us, that in yet while we were sinners that Christ did die for us. Thank You for Your immense love for us, Your people, in Jesus' name. Amen.